0: TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is That Paleo Show with your hosts, Stephanie Wozelik, Dr.
1: Yana James, and Dr. Brett Hill.
2: Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Stephanie Wozolik. I'm Dr. Yana James.
0: And I'm Dr. Brett Hill.
2: So this week we're actually talking about dairy. And unlike some of our previous episodes, dairy is a little bit more of a debated topic in the paleo primal sphere. Um, So today we're gonna talk about some things that everyone in the community agrees with, and then we're also gonna kind of delve into the things that are a little bit more debatable. Um, But just to preface this whole episode, we're just going to say that if you are just new to paleo, there are definitely other more important areas to focus on. Like we've talked in previous episodes about good quality meats and fats, grains and sugars. But today we're going to go into, like I said, the little more debatable topic. So if you're a little bit confused, then that's because the community itself is a little bit confused. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so um, look,
1: we're going to be talking at the beginning specifically about all of the bad stuff uh, to do with dairy and especially, you know, we're talking about grocery store dairy. That stuff is a processed food, right? This is something that I only just realized, just sort of logged into my brain only about three months ago where I went, oh my goodness, processed dairy is a processed food, you know? And so we've actually just gone and saw some raw dairy. Um, but um, for the most part, what we're going to talk about at the beginning is definitely that that processed, pasteurised, homogenised dairy that you can pick up at the supermarket.
0: Yeah, because I mean they've marketed it well, haven't they? Like yeah. you see all the ads, and it's like there's milk that's coming straight out of the cow, straight from the farm, you know, and that, and that's how they market it. They Make you think that it's this completely natural, unprocessed, you know, health food. Um, but in reality, I know you're going to talk about Yana. What what do they actually do to our dairy food is is process it, definitely.
2: And and this is something important to recognize: is that the rules and regulations and laws are different in every country. So I think we I think the world kind of recognizes that the U.S. maybe has the least strict laws on these things, and mm. Australia is I think much better. I think Europe has kind of the best um, least processed dairy. But so we're going to kind of be talking about the spectrum um, without going into the country specifics, but just recognize that your individual country would have different
1: regulations. Yeah, and definitely when Steph's talking about regulations there a really important one is that um Looking at the source of the dairy, so the type of cow that the dairy is coming from, is it a pasture-fed cow, so eating grass and greenery, or is it a grain-fed cow? Because I don't know if you remember in that fat episode that we were talking about, um, the, the ratios of omega-3 to omega-6 are different for grain-fed versus grass-fed cows. So definitely, I can pretty much assure you, all of your brand-name milks that you can get at the supermarket are going to be from grain-fed cattle, they're also going to have to have been um, put on hormones to make them produce more milk, which is a bit of a concern too, especially uh, as someone who used to be on uh, the pill, which is HRT, I really want to get away from as many uh, fake estrogens as I can, and definitely having grocery bought milk was not doing me any favours in that department.
0: Yeah, and so the other thing that they do and, and have to do by law in, in Australia is pasteurize and homogenize any of the milk that they're selling on a, in a commercial basis. If you're, if you're buying that from the supermarket, then that's going to be pasteurized and homogenized milk. And so pasteurization obviously is a process of, it, it is processing, it's heating up the milk. Um, and it's designed to kill off any nasties that might be in there, whether they're nasties or not. And we had a bit of a debate about this earlier as to whether maybe there are some you know, bacteria and stuff in there that's actually beneficial for us in helping mm. us digest, in helping us process. But as well as killing off those bacteria, it's also killing off a lot of other enzymes and you know lactase and things like that that actually help us with the digestion of the milk.
1: Yeah, and it sort of comes back to that whole food aspect, right? There are things that are bound together or that are created with other particles, other other uh, components that are there for a reason because it... it, it In nature, it means that we're going to digest or process them better. But once you start killing that stuff off and getting rid of it, your body is going to recognize it as being a foreign food. Um, The Homogenization is basically where they shake it up really hard to break apart all the particles and make it homogenous, which means uh, one consistency the whole way through. I'm not sure that that is actually... By law in Australia, because you can you can definitely get unhomogenized milk from our local like Biddy Paris Farm and and those guys. So yeah, it's just pasteurisation that has to be done in Australia to kill all those nasties. But I definitely, from my perspective, and I'm I'm a bit of a I, I like to try and get as many natural bacteria in as possible and I think you know if there's bacteria in the milk, the reason they're there is because they can break down the proteins in that milk so that might be useful for us. And I do the same thing with my vegetables. If there's bacteria on the veggies, I want to eat that bacteria so I can break down that food better.
0: Yeah, and I think the, probably the caveat on that is so long as that milk has been handled properly and hasn't been sitting around Absolutely. for ages and, and you yeah. know, that's one of the reasons why they want to pasteurize the milk, right? Because they want to be able to hang, have it hanging around in the supermarket for ages and they want to be able to store it so so So, um, you know, that's why they're doing that.
2: Yeah, and now they have something called ultra-pasteurization as well, which is, um, I think it does have to be labeled, and I'm not sure if it's in Australia or not, But because I I don't buy milk, so I don't look for these things. But um, they actually heat the milk uh, hotter and longer, I think, and that extends the shelf life of the milk even longer. Wow, that's insane. So perhaps,
0: Jana, you might like to talk about insulin. I know this is one of your favorite topics. Yeah, definitely. And look,
1: I've... um I've probably been doing paleo for about 18 months and I've tried to come off dairy before unsuccessfully um, and now that we've been you know researching into this episode and coming forth with uh, this information it's really made me examine what I'm doing um, so definitely look insulin um, is what causes is one of the hormones that just causes your body to put glucose into fat storage so it makes you uh, put on fat right um, Dairy is one of those things that when I was giving up sugar, I would look to dairy, and as soon as I'd have dairy, I would be satiated for that sugar craving. So that made me originally think, well, maybe I'm getting something out of this. Maybe there's some sort of, um, you know, sugar bonus that's going on here. I was testing my blood sugar, it didn't seem to be spiking, but I was always having that dairy with some other fats and proteins. So I think maybe that's what was happening. But um, with the research and the, the looking into this that we've been doing, Brett came across some information that was showing that the whey protein is a much bigger um insulinogenic compound than even wheat now you guys know me you know that i think (laughs) wheat is evil um and now i'm thinking wow uh dairy dairy's got to be in that category too so that's pretty insane so um look if you if you are suffering from metabolic derangement if you're a bit heavier than you'd like to be dairy is definitely one of those places that you're going to find your body's going to want to store more fat if you're having it uh
2: yeah yeah so just to sum that up, um, <laughs> thank you just to sum that up we 're talking about getting an even bigger insulin spike from dairy than from a lot of these other things that we 've talked about on the show so far mm. yeah, awesome. which
0: is pretty crazy when you think about it isn 't it because people yeah. think of milk as being something that's high in fat and high in protein so it 's going to help you know prevent those insulin spikes but actually and, and as we' said it's not just the lactose but it's the proteins that are in there the whey that 's in there as well um, that's actually causing that spike so Um, I guess the next thing to talk about perhaps is is some intolerances or maybe I
1: was going to add in there, you know, I said before that I'd tried to come off dairy before and without much success and that I was reaching for dairy whenever I was having a sugar craving and what I came across in my research I was trying to look up is milk or is dairy addictive and one of the proteins in dairy is casein so this will probably lead quite well into allergies in a second but casein is a protein that's in milk and it's actually broken down in the body to be casomorphine which is or casomorphin um, which binds to opioid receptors in your brain so there's a perfectly good reason why I was feeling like I was getting a bit of mini high whenever I was having my dairy um, and for me now that I recognize now that now that I see that I'm going to attempt again, or I'm going to be successful in uh, eliminating dairy from my diet, but just understanding that I'm going to have some withdrawals and that there's going to be a bit of a tough time there possibly for me. And I should expect that, you know, three or four weeks, I'm going to be struggling with that perhaps and have some strategies around that to deal with it. Um, cause I think last time I came off, I just felt like crap and didn't really realize why.
0: Yeah. Uh, we got the warning about that today. You know? did. You did. I <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: be prepared to meet Megabit So, <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah. So what I was just going to add on to that is that there's a perfectly good reason why it's addictive, right? If you think about, Mm. the point is that this milk is designed to be the only food for babies of any mammalian species, right? So it is actually important that it has that addictive quality to it. But if you extrapolate that into adults, I mean, really, not only should, should you not be addicted to it as an adult, but also again we're getting addicted to this grocery store milk essentially that has all of these hormones and antibiotics and uh and causes ill effects on our body so that's really the problem here
1: yeah i was reading an article on that and um, you know mammals produce milk for their young that's that's part of what we do with mammals and i think there's a, a certain amount of bonding that goes on with that and that's that sort of tribal thing as well um what I read was that human milk has something like two to three percent casein, and dairy is twenty to thirty percent casein, depending on which cow you're going for. So the the I don't know if people have seen there's the A1 and the A2 milk. Yet they don't really call it A1 milk. It's just milk and A2 milk, and uh, A2 milk is from a Frisian cow, which are the the brown ones well uh, oh, sorry. No, from a, a Guernsey cow or a Jersey cow, and they're the brown ones. Um, and they have a lower proportion of those uh, casein proteins, whereas the the typical black and white spotted cow that you see that's the the that's the Friesian cow. They produce more milk than the Guernsey, which is why they're used. Um, but they produce a high level of a one protein, which is is quite inflammatory and and allergen.
0: Nutgenic, genic, that word well, is. That's, that's a perfect <laughs> leading because I was going to start to talk about the allergies. And, and people get a bit confused about the milk allergies because there's actually two different sorts of milk allergies you yes, can have. Is. So people tend to just think of it as being lactose intolerant. And that's mm. kind of the one that you hear about in the media. Well, I'm lactose intolerant. And so, you know, if I can just get rid of the lactose, that'll all be okay. But what we also know is that um, the casein, the proteins you're speaking about, can also be allergenic. Aller- Jenny, allergic. Uh, uh, (laughs) people. you can be allergic to them. Yeah, (laughs) thank you. And (laughs) and the reason for that is that there's a glidin cross-reactivity that goes on, or one of the reasons anyway. And so people who are sensitive to glidin, which is in the gluten, in the wheat that we've already spoken about, can also have a similar response to the casein. And the reason for that is that they're actually quite similar structurally. They actually have some similar molecules going on there. And so they can react in the same way inside your body. So, so it's not just about the lactose, it's about the KSN and the proteins that are in there as well.
1: Yeah. And I think lactose intolerance a lot of the time is that people don't have the correct gut flora to actually break down lactose. not that I'm advocating people then go, Oh, I've got a lactose intolerance, but if I go and have some probiotics, I'll be okay. Just avoid the dairy in general. But I think a lot of the time that, that lactose intolerance is more to do with what's actually happening in your gut rather than, um, an inflammatory process going on from that.
2: Well, it, it could be that. And it can also be that in the pasteurization process, we've killed yeah. the enzymes that allow us to digest it. Absolutely. So I know a lot of, um, um, testimonies that i've read and that i know brett's read in in the research for this is just that people can actually switch to raw dairy not that we're necessarily advocating that but if you have a lactose intolerance it would be really interesting to see if you're still intolerant to raw dairy mm. yeah that's and so that's good. obviously
0: the lactase is the is the enzyme that's usually in there that gets removed by the pasteurization so you know one of the other things about the uh, the dairy is actually the acid base balance in your body and, and this is always an interesting one because most people, when I first speak to that dairy, they say, well, dairy, that, that's got to be alkaline, you know, because I, I get told to take it because it's going to help calm my stomach down or it's a, yeah. you know, a soothing, comforting thing. And Everyone just thinks that that automatically is going to be alkaline. Yeah, um, and how
1: many t- people have milk to settle um, heartburn or reflux yeah. and that sort of thing? It's just insane. Yeah, which
0: is actually crazy. So, uh, because what we actually know is because of the proteins in it, because of the phosphate levels in it, that it's actually acidic. And it's, it's not hugely acidic, but it's definitely mildly acidic once it gets into your body. Um, and so there's so much research out there about the acid-base balance in our diets, particularly in our modern diets, which are just, you know, way out of balance and way too acidic. And, mm-hmm. you know, dairy is probably not the biggest contributor to that. I think, you know, the, the processed foods, the, the sugars, grains. the carbs, the grains, the yeah. coffee, the alcohol, you know, there's probably a, a whole bunch of other things that are contributing even more to that acid-base balance. But it's still worth thinking about that acid-base balance in terms of the dairy as well, because it's just going to be another thing that's going to contribute to that. And for some people, they're having a lot of dairy. You know, if you think about it, if you're having, you know, a big chug of dairy on your cereal in the morning, and then you might be having a glass of milk during the day. And or then, chocolate yeah, milk. Yeah, chocolate <laughs> milk. You might be having some chocolate. You know, you might be adding <laughs> it into your coffee throughout the day. You know, that really starts to add up.
1: Yeah, and look, it, it's it's interesting that um, dairy is slightly acidic in the body because a lot of the time people... Well, when we talk about acidity, what's going to happen is when your acid levels rise, your body's mm. going to try and bring that back down to a neutral range, which is not that acidic. Um, and so the way it does that is either by pulling calcium from your bones or pulling mag- magnesium from your muscles, right? So it's kind of this contradictory thing that they were told to have dairy to increase our calcium in our bones, and yet when we have the dairy, it actually pulls calcium from our bones. It's you know It just doesn't make sense at all
0: yeah and and that 's really important because yeah people everyone 's told that you 've got to have dairy you 've got to have dairy because you need the calcium, and this is like just being drummed into people it 's like people are just like in a in a little zone here where they just regurgitate that because they 've been told it so many times. But if you actually look at you know the recommendations if you look at the u s d a in America well they say there's actually nothing wrong with vegetable sources of calcium, but we'd have to get people to change their habits if we wanted to do it. So they kind of go, well, it's too hard to get people to change their habits, so we'll just keep recommending they have calcium, even though it's got these other effects that perhaps aren't as good. And Daring, people say, well, yeah. hang on, can you, can you really get this calcium from vegetables? But if you think about it, I mean, most of the animals on our planet get calcium from vegetables. And if you look mm-hmm. at an elephant, huh, these massive animals got these enormous bones. I'm guessing they're pretty strong because that thing weighs a fair bit and mm-hmm. it's got to hold it up. Right. And they get all of their calcium from eating leafy greens.
2: And wouldn't it be true that you would need less calcium if you're not leaching it out of your yeah, bones absolutely. with the acidity? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And you know, the other thing about the acidity that's just worth mentioning is it's not just the calcium. As you said, it's the magnesium out of your bones. And people think of that and they think, oh, that sounds bad. Like I might get some muscle cramping, right? And they're thinking, oh, that might be a bit of an ache or a pain. But then you start thinking, well, there's not just the skeletal muscles. It's the muscles around your blood vessels, yeah, the muscles around your heart the muscles around your digestive system, and all of a sudden you go, well, hang on. You know, if those muscles are contracting more than they should be, all of a sudden, we're starting to think. Well, hang on. That's going to affect blood pressure. That's going to affect heart disease. That's going to affect my digestion. You know, Absolutely. all of a sudden, that becomes an even bigger issue. So that
1: was magnesium from muscles.
0: Wasn't magnesium it? Yeah, from the well, muscles.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. insane. The acid thing. I just because I used to suffer from reflux, and so I just want to really quickly touch on this again. Um, a lot of the time, the reason that we get reflux is not because we have too much acid in our stomach. A lot of the time, it's because we have too little acid in our stomach. Now, this is one place we do actually need acid. It's you know, yes. just one contained place where we need the acid to help us break down food um, and the muscle at the top of the stomach, the sphincter, the pyloric sphincter um, it actually has sensors in it for when the acid hits it, then it closes down, right? So sometimes the reflux you're getting is because you don't have enough acid to actually stimulate that muscle to close, and so you're getting this burning up into your esophagus. And then you go and have some, you know, mm-hmm. some mylanter or some Nexium or some something to try and bring your acid Tums levels down. For Tums, in yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, to bring that acid level down. And what you're actually doing is lowering that acidity even more, meaning that you digest food even less well, and so then you have what's called silent reflux. And that's that stuff is dangerous mm. because then you do have some levels of stomach juices getting up into your esophagus and that's where you can get changes of those uh, the cell linings and develop yeah. some tumors and cancers and things it's, dangerous. it's not good so yeah once you get rid of these things that cause uh, that cause an increase in acidity and and that cause you to have low acid in your stomach as well and you're going to find you just digest food better and you don't get that which is certainly the case for me
2: yeah one of the other things that um, I'm sure a lot of in, uh, listeners might be interested in uh, is that when I started looking into um, diet and stuff, my main goal was to clear up my skin, so to clear up my acne. And I, I mean, I guess it wasn't severe. I know some people have it a hell of a lot worse than me. But but one thing that I kept consistently coming across was the, the, just the relationship, I guess, between dairy and acne. Now, I actually don't know if that is inclusive of raw dairy or not, but I definitely know that there is a relationship between um, grocery store dairy and acne.
0: Yeah, and I think this is one of the things that, maybe the, the mechanisms for how this happens aren't as well known, but certainly I know in practice, if you look at you know, people on lots of dairy, you know, it does tend to relate to their acne. It seems to relate to inflammatory responses in the body. So people are having an overreactive inf- inflammatory response in all sorts of different parts of their body. Certainly in terms of you know, asthma, sinusitis, things like that. I mean, we really see a strong correlation with those in practice. Um, with people who are, are having lots of dairy, and very often, if you can minimize that dairy, and as you said i 'm not sure you know most of these people don 't have access to raw dairy or don 't choose not to find raw dairy, so i don 't know whether if they switch to raw dairy, that would actually solve the problem. but certainly when they cut out dairy altogether, that seems to really help for people.
2: One thing I just want to mention as well before we move on to maybe some of the good things about dairy, um, but is is there 's actually a link as well with behavioral disorder or disorders, ADD, ADHD. I know we often link those to gluten, but they can also be linked to uh, to dairy. So something worth considering if this is something you come across or maybe even teachers out there it's definitely something worth considering
0: yeah and the other thing worth mentioning about dairy we spoke about the calcium and how sometimes dairy can make you acidic and cause the calcium to leach back out again but it's also worth remembering that dairy is actually not the the most bioavailable source of calcium either so people often look at well, you know look at the levels of calcium and things and say well look dairy's got all this calcium in it and it really does have a very high percentage of calcium in it but the question is not how much calcium has got in it, it's how much of that calcium can get into your body. Uh, and there is not the most bioavailable source. You know, the leafy greens are far more bioavailable in terms of their calcium getting into your bodies and being able to be utilized by your bodies. So just bear that in mind when you start to look at it and think, well, hang on, they said I can get it from my, you know, from my leafy greens, but that doesn't have anywhere near as much calcium. Just remember that it's the bioavailability that's really important.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, what is some of the the better quote unquote
2: stuff to do with dairy? Well, I think uh, Brett will be better able to talk about this than me, but uh, I know that one of the main reasons that people in the paleosphere use dairy is because it is exceptionally good at building um, what muscle mass. Muscle, yeah. yeah. So,
0: so if you want to grow, then it's great. I mean, as Steph mentioned earlier, this is basically this is what dairy is for. Right? Cow's milk is for baby cows, and the aim of it is to help them grow bigger, to help them grow stronger, basically as quickly as possible. Because if you're a herd animal, you know, if you think about this, go back to the, the you know savanna in America, and if you're a herd animal, then you want to get up to size and up to speed as quickly as possible because you are the one that that lion or tiger is targeting to get yeah. out of the pack, right? Yeah. So this is the idea. We want it to grow big, we want it to grow strong as quickly as possible. And so if you are someone who is doing a lot of um, you know muscle building, looking to get big, um, and probably, I would say, more so getting, looking to get big than necessarily looking to get strong, because I think there can be a difference between those two as well, um, then this is something that you will probably you know, like. And, and often, you know, bodybuilders and people like that are very resistant to any suggestion that dairy should come out of their diet for that reason. But what I want you to understand as well is, if you're not a bodybuilder, then eating something that's going to help you rapidly gain mass is probably not what you're looking for. You know, if we look at the fact that in Australia, and I think the US is pretty similar, we've got about two-thirds of our population are overweight or obese. All right, so for you, gaining mass is not what you want to be looking for. You don't want to be eating a product that's fantastic uh, with growth hormones it's going to help you gain mass quickly. That that's just not what you should be aiming for. Yeah,
1: is that? Um, I think I was reading today it's something to do with the insulin-like growth factor or something like that, which yeah. kind of fits in with that whole insulin thing as well. I mean, I know that they're different uh, hormones, but you know, looking at that insulin spike it's going to make you put glucose into your cells. Now, if you're burning muscle, you're going to build muscle cells. But if you're not burning any muscle, if you're not doing much at all, it's
2: just going to fuel your fat cells, yeah, right? Yeah, de-
0: definitely growth hormones. In yeah,
2: yeah. So I guess let's look at it this way. So we've talked about those people who maybe aren't 100% paleo yet and are, are, are still going to be consuming dairy. We're going to maybe talk now about what is the best... Quality. Quality. So let's just be clear. I don't think any of us are advocating that you go out and eat dairy. But if that's a choice that you're going to make based on this information and other information that you've done research on yourself, um, we're definitely saying that the kind of dairy you should be eating is from pasture-raised cows, unhomogenized, and preferably definitely raw. um, For many of the reasons we've already listed now. Yeah, so
1: um, being pastured, So we, we've got two words here. There's pasturized, which is from <laughs> yeah. Louis Pasteur, as in heating it up. And then there's pastura- pastured, which is, <laughs> see, I, even I'm getting confused. Um, pastured, so... Let's uh, say from, grass-fed. Grass-fed, thank you, that's much easier. <laughs> um, so the grass-fed milk, that's going to have better proportions of the omega-3s. It's got the CLA, the conjugated linoleic acid, and um, the ALA. So, that's your, your uh, uh, omega-3s there, which are really uh, helpful for us. Um, what... Oh... What was I gonna say? I don't know. Where I think you talk about the
0: healthy fats in there, obviously. Yeah, I probably was gonna talk about healthy fats. The, the thing to understand with that as well is that you know you can get those healthy fats from eating Other you know grass raised meats, you know, grass fed eggs, um, you know, fish obviously is a great source of those, but but certainly you know dairy does contain those benefits. Yeah, and right? that's
1: what I was gonna say. I was just thinking, you know, if the, if it's got these omega 3s in it and they're they're very sensitive to heat, so if you go and heat that, if you go and pasteurise it, then you're gonna be damaging them and probably not getting much at all. So that's why I think raw dairies if you're going to have it definitely a a much better choice to make
2: yeah and we're talking also about you know these animals are healthier they're doing what they're designed to do so they need far less if any medications so that's Mm. um, obviously the hormones but also antibiotics so we talk a lot about good good gut flora and um, maybe we haven't talked about antibiotics yet in any episodes but we do know that antibiotics kill your gut flora so you might not have ever taken an antibiotic in your life, but if you are eating um, dairy that has had an antibiotic, or a cow that has had an antibiotic, then you could inadvertently be getting those.
0: Yeah, yeah and it's also worth remembering that something like 80% of the antibiotics used in our society are actually given to animals, yeah. right? So when we start talking about, um, you know, these superbugs that everyone's worried about, that these bugs that are going to be antibiotic resistant strains, and etc. etc then a lot of that is coming from and being formulated in these animals. Um, and the thing is that they're not giving the antibiotics to the animals because they're sick. They just pump them into them anyway as just a so-called in preventative yeah, into measure. their feed. Yeah. Because they yeah. know that if they, can, if they can just kill off those bugs, then they're going to grow faster. Right? Not healthier, but they're going to grow faster. And that's what they want, and produce more milk quicker, yeah. basically, because that's really their goal. So, and
2: again, that would be different in different countries, the rules and regulations around that. So, yeah. worth yeah. looking into, but...
0: Yeah, so so definitely looking for organic is obviously going to be a really good idea. If you, if you are going to be having some milk, then getting the organic stuff, it's not going to have all those hormones that you guys spoke about earlier. Um, well, the added hormones, I should say, I guess, uh, it's not going to have those medications. And and obviously, as we mentioned earlier, the raw milk is a really good way to go if you're going to go that way because it still has those enzymes in it. It still has the proteins in the, or, sorry, not the proteins, the enzymes in it they're going to help you digest it you know so things like the lactase which is there to help you digest the lactose it's still going to be there so you're going to have a much better chance of dealing with it
1: yeah definitely and so um, other things to look at uh, your uh, grass fed butter and grass fed cream they're a much better source than milk of dairy mm-hmm. if you're going to be having dairy then go you know if you're just on the verge, and you try to cut it out, and then you, you, but you still want some in your cup of tea. Not that we advocate tea either. Um, <laughs> but if you're going to, then have cream instead of milk. That's going to be a better option. So we're sort of talking good, better, best here, right?
0: Yeah, and, and the other option is the goat's milk, which is actually you know, more similar to what would be human's um, baby's milk. So if you're a human baby, that's probably a better option for you than the cow's milk. It does have a little bit less casein, um, and it just tends to be digested a bit better. Um, and the other one is the cultured dairy so yeah. um, you know when that's that, that's almost like being already partially digested for you the cultured dairy yeah. so it's already broken down it's got less lactose concentration and the proteins tend to be a lot easier for you to digest
2: yeah and we actually haven't talked about fat-free skim milk dairy oh. And, oh, stuff. Yeah. And, oh. and that's something we actually don't have time to get into <laughs> today but suffice it to say that
0: um, leave the fat in. But we <laughs>
2: that in dairy <laughs> is fat suspended in water. So if they're getting rid of the
1: fat, then what the hell are they giving you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, powdered milk in water. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but, powdered milk
2: proteins. Yeah, anymore. powdered <laughs> milk proteins in water. But yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So suffice it to say that we love fat, and provided again that it's your organic, grass fed, unpasteurized yada yada. Yeah. Um, that keep the fat in. Um, but let's let's move on in our last few minutes here about. So again, these people, we've talked about taking dairy out of your diet, but really what do you use dairy for? So I know, um, I would put it on my cereal, but I don't eat, eat cereal, cereal <laughs> anymore. Yeah. And I have I, coffee, you, I don't have put coffee it, anymore. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so there are still a few places where I know that I would like to have some creaminess. Yeah. Um, so maybe we could talk a tiny bit about yogurt. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So I know, um, everyone kind of Oh, actually, I don't know what I got myself into here, but, um, (laughs) but, but, you know, yogurt's supposedly good for you because of the gut bacteria and whatnot. And that's going back to the fermentation process. But again, the store-bought yogurt is mostly sugar. So if you are going to have yogurt, make sure you're having not the whole, for one thing, look at the sugar content of your yogurt, make sure that it's from a like a good local farm you know where it's come from um and yana's kind of looked in a tiny bit about coconut yogurt as well
1: yeah a tiny bit there there was some at my local um health food Organic shop, but the cocoa yogurt brand—I don't know if what, what, Co- Co- it was Pro- a, Yes, no. a coconut yogurt brand ha- was just full of all of these additives and things, so I didn't go there. But one of our practice members did a fermented food course and said that they taught her coconut yogurt then, so that might be something for you. So if anyone out no? there
2: knows how to do it, please yeah, post it on our, our Facebook,
0: Facebook yeah. and tell us because awesome. we
2: would love to try yeah, it. it. And, and, really
0: so, cool. and the, the other thing I guess is before you jump towards the soy milk, then you're going to want to make sure you listen to our next, next episode, episode right? which is going to be all of about soy and we're definitely not recommending that as something to jump to yeah. we wouldn't recommend jumping to rice milk which is still pretty high in, in carbohydrates and, and not necessarily what you're after lots lot. of added processed. processed added sugars and even the store-bought almond milks they oh, tend to have a lot of sugar so added in them. You know, almond milk is just the easiest thing to make at home like it's literally like a good solid handful of almonds into a jug of water or into a blender of water leave it overnight to soak and blend it and you can drink it just like that it's a little bit gritty or if you really want to you get some muslin cloth you strain it out and then you've got your own almond milk it's It's like super easy i use it for heaps of smoothies and stuff like that and it's it's just a great way to go yeah
1: and unsurprisingly i love to use coconut milk for my smoothies nice so that's that's my favorite go-to milk type
2: thing Yeah. And I know I, one of my favorite foods when I'm making a gourmet dinner is like a good parsnip mash or Mm. sweet potato mash or something like that. Something like really rich and you need obviously a lot of garlic because that makes it amazing. But (laughs) but for the creaminess, I used to add loads of butter or cream or whatever, but now I just put coconut milk in and I love Thai food anyway. So I usually make it a thai uh, flavoring but yeah. um but yeah i absolutely just love that for the creaminess yeah you inspired me to do one of those last week and it was amazing
1: oh. i actually put some curry powder it was p- pumpkin sweet potato coconut milk and some curry
2: powder it was amazing and for non-australians pumpkin is a squash <laughs> 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 anyways that is actually all the time we have today i'm glad i could end on a thank on a, a good <laughs> note there um so until next week check us out on facebook share your story and help to grow the paleo tribe worldwide
1: Hi, Damien Christoph from The Wellness Guys here. Wow, it's been electric since our first summit came to a close up in the Gold Coast.
0: And the wellness community wants
1: more. Well, get ready because our next summit is coming to Melbourne and we'd love to have you come. The Wellness Guys will be there, plus effervescent Up For A Chat girls, Cindy O'Meara, Kim Morrison and Karen Smith and some super special guests. It'll be 10 hours of powerhouse wellness that you don't want to miss. Simply go to www.thewellnesssummit.com. See you there.